Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Race for the Ring, episode 70, Baby Love with Anwar White. You're listening to The Race for the Ring. I am your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, motivational author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and a single mom. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In the age of Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge, there seems to be more horror stories and humor than happy endings among my friends and social circles. And I want to know why. Each week, we'll chat with a different dating queen or king, socialite or relationship expert, and explore the many facets of dating today, pitfalls to steer clear from, and how to find the finest fish in the sea. Get ready, set, go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Race for the Ring. Today, we're going to do a little flashback and go backwards in time to when we were kids and how the foundation um, that we were basically given by our parents or, you know, guardians or just people in our lives that had an impression on us when we were younger really, really impact the way we show up as adults in relationships, the kind of partner we become, um, the kind of partner we are, um, and how we deal with arguing and love and respecting one another and also, you know, um, feeling secure in a relationship. Our, Our expert Anwar White is a celebrated dating coach um, and has a lot of really good information and insight um, into that phenomenon about how obviously what we see growing up and the way we're treated um, really has such an impact. And I think the most valuable part of this conversation is he shares some tips, really good ones about how we can kind of unlearn unhealthy habits um, that we formed because of what we saw, uh, because not everything we saw and everything we um, witnessed and we the way we were treated is something we should be carrying um, through into our adulthood. Before we get into him and that conversation, though, I want to just remind everybody to please, please rate and review the Race for the Ring. I would be most appreciative. Um, I know I sound like a parrot, but it really does help others find our show. Um, it really would mean a lot to me. And I also want to remind everybody to mosey on over to Amazon and check out my new book that comes out October 26th. You don't need to be a bitch to be a boss. The book is full of really, really good stories, um, about, 
my time in PR, my time in news, um, working for people that weren't necessarily the, the nicest, if you will, and the lessons that I've learned from that. I share a lot of anecdotes. I share a lot about MB and associates overall. Um, I share about um, some stories that I've learned along the way from my mentors, the um, firing people, growing people, um, mean girl stories, happy girl stories. It's really good. And I think, well, it's really not about love and romantic relationships, sort of like my first book was Intermission. It really does have a good, um, you know, I guess, connection to dating overall, because if we show up strong for our girls, we're going to be that much, um, you know, of a better uh, partner to our guys or girls, whoever your preference might be. So um, that said, if you do order the book, and it is amazing, if I don't say so myself, and you send a copy of the receipt to, or DM it, I should say, to Race for the Ring podcast, um, you will be entered to win your very own diamond ring courtesy of MB, me, Mindy Barnett, and Furco's Fine Jewelry, um, who is our amazing sponsor for the Race for the Ring. It's gorgeous. We have a series of them. The first part of the contest is wrapping up soon, and the first ring is actually a diamond solitaire set in rose gold. It's really, really pretty. Um, it would make a really good empowerment ring for all of you listeners listening. Um, I have a tendency to buy lots of things for myself, but my most profound gift that I buy for myself on occasion is fine jewelry because it something that I can wear all the time, certainly look down, um, whether it's on my finger or my wrist, look in the mirror, see it on my neck, on my ears, what have you. Um, I really do feel like I, you know, i special that I was able to do that for myself. So I'd like to give that to you um, as a thank you for you supporting me. And also the book is a gift in and of itself because it's really good and full of uh, a lot of um, really, really good tips and actionable uh, information you can implement into your daily life to be a better, stronger girl. So that said, let's get straight to our conversation talking about Childhood Issues in our Baby Love episode with Anwar White. Hi, Anwar. Thank you for joining us from Montreal on this fabulous Friday. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. So tell us a little bit about your practice, how you chose to get into that profession. Um, maybe there was an incident that you saw there was a need for, you know, a, a dating coach to help women specifically kind of find their guy, so to speak. Um, and, and also a little bit about what you've seen, I guess, over the past year. And as we get out of the quote lockdown mode um, and kind of open up the world again, and then also embrace dating in person and things of that nature. Yeah, of course. Okay, we're starting off. So many questions. I know, uh, always. <laughs> I am a dating and relationship coach for smart and successful women. So I help, ultimately, I help um, awesome women get into amazing relationships with great guys, right? And that means healing their hearts. It's about dating effectively. And ultimately, not 
just getting into a relationship because you can literally get into a relationship tomorrow by just lowering your standards. It's about actually getting into an amazing relationship and being able to maintain it, right? And having the emotional intelligence, right? And the healing to be able to hold space for yourself and others. So that's really what I do. I work with women all around the world. I currently have clients in Canada, US, Europe, and Asia. Uh, wow. I I have been doing this, I guess, you know, you could say I've been doing this ever since elementary school, helping the boys talk to the girls and the girls talk to the boys. Um, I naturally, you know, gravitated toward both uh, kind of groups, right? I I play basketball with the boys and do double dutch with the girls, you know. I think that I have a really unique perspective in that um, I, I understand both the male and female perspective. So I'm able to help my clients really understand how they're being perceived and also help them interpret exactly when men say things or do things, what that actually means and what they're thinking, right? So that yeah. they that the relationship can really kind of progress. I didn't really start to, um, I mean, I was doing this informally with my friends all, all of, you know, throughout my life, but I didn't really formalize my business until after I got my MBA. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of my classmates, my amazing female classmates were like, killing it in all of these other areas in their lives, right? The great apartments or homes, right? The great career, traveling a bit, tons of friends, tons of brunches, all of that. But it was this one part of their lives that they just could not nail down, right? You're speaking to the choir, preaching to it. You hear it? Preach it, preach it. Yes, 100%. Okay, Yeah, that that happens so much now, right? Because we have so many amazing, smart and successful women out there. I think women are graduating, I think, close to 20 or 30 percent more than men these days. Right. So it's uh, it's good. And that decade harder in terms of dating because people now do what we call a sort of dating. So if I have my graduate degree, I'm looking for someone else who has their graduate degree. I I, totally, I'm going, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I probably would only date somebody with a graduate degree of some nature. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. what What that means is that the market has shrunk when it comes to available men and very available women. So that's why there's some difficulty and some challenges around smart and successful women who are dating right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I, so going back to like my classmates in my MBA program, I basically I'm a type A person and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take this over for you. Cause like, this is ridiculous. So you know, <laughs> I did their profiles, did their pictures was basically coaching them throughout and they were getting into these amazing relationships and like all of them, you know, after a year and a half to two years got married. And I was like, obviously, wow. I'm really this. So, obviously so let me I'm ask you this. Um, how did they find the guys? Like, did you help them locate the men or was it like on apps or, or what? Like what would, how did they, how did they find the guys to, to, in a variety of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So both online and offline, I think it's really important for women who are busy and successful to do things on their terms. So online is obviously more convenient for them, especially yeah. if they're getting off a little bit later uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to work. Um, mm-hmm. But again, this is like, it's not about the tactics, right? It's not about, I'm going to text him this. It's about becoming the woman that is actually going in the best partner that you can be, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's really where the work comes in. And that's really what I help my clients achieve in, in my program when I work with them one-on-one. 
What are your top before? That's actually a really good segue into what the show's about today, about how your childhood helps mold you or basically mold you into being a good partner, a bad partner, having relationship issues and things like that. I mean, it's the only thing, certainly, but it's the foundation for all of us, really. But before we get into that, what are would you say are the top three, I guess, mistakes or hiccups or whatever you want to call it, what women are making before they see you and have the proper guidance? Or does it vary? Yeah, no problem. Before I answer that, though, you had asked a previous question about what's happening over the last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for bringing that back into the picture. We're still (laughs) kind of in our pandemic mode when it comes to dating. And I want to make sure that the listeners are getting a ton of value out of this. And so what we Uh saw in the pandemic was that um, the courtship phase actually really slowed down right? Because we weren't just going out randomly with a random person, right? We had to actually get to know them a little bit more. And so we saw a little bit more time maybe on the apps chatting or texting or emailing or Mm -hmm. having multiple phone calls and virtual chats, right? Mm -hmm. This has super helpful when it comes to dating. And I'm really hoping that it continues. Um, And it's up to the women to actually continue that, right? Men are always going to be wanting to get to know you and physically see you as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that I see it, men are looking for sex and find love and Mm -hmm. women are looking for love and have sex along the way, right? And so I know is that if women, especially as we're starting to slowly get out of this pandemic, um, continue with that slower courtship phase that they're going to still be able to have. um, We're going to be more successful because that slower pace is going to give both people the opportunity to actually really get to know each other, right? And create that connection and bond that is so important. Um, So that's something that I'm seeing. What I also am seeing is that men were, were actually very, 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 um, I'll say more open to being in relationships, right? Something about this pandemic was that it created this, you know, existential crisis in a way for a lot of people out there. And so mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. then they were thinking about, well, what's my legacy? I can't like, you know, play video games and <laughs> jerk off all the time, right? That I'm actually going to have to like create some legacy on this earth before I potentially die. Right. And can so- I, I agree. Can I just say one thing? I also feel like, at least that's my perspective, like the novice perspective, right. Cause I'm not a specialist like you are, but I feel like guys too, maybe the ones that were more players, if you will, maybe being the fact that the pandemic kind of, if you were like obviously kissing multiple people, not even having sex with them, you're putting yourself at risk as well as family members and loved ones. So maybe they felt like it'd be safer, like narrows down their obviously danger. If if they if they hone in on one person um, and then maybe for the f- first time perhaps ever settle down in, in, in even just a dating relationship as opposed to like mo- dating multiple people. Did you see any of that or do you think that's part of it or am I yeah, you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just yeah, no, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that you're totally correct. Right. And mm-hmm. um, because people were thinking about other people for once. Right. That like, no, I couldn't yeah. like know be all out there in the streets because it meant that it was (laughs) friends right so no I totally agree with you but that and that was the case for everyone right which which goes to my previous point about really being intentional about the way that you're interacting and engaging with other individuals right that like right no I have to really get to know you before I even put myself 
in potential danger to, you know, meet you. Right. I felt that way. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't one of the people out in the street, but I never have been, but no, I mean, but they're, they're, you know, whatever it is, what it is. People are, it's each their own, but I definitely was more mindful and much more cautious about even meeting someone, even socially distanced, like say in a park for like a cup of coffee, especially in the height of everything. Um, you know, before, whereas other times I would have been like, yeah, let's go out for a drink or something like that. I don't really like want to meet them. Cause I'm like, I'm putting my, I might have to quarantine, like if they're sick or, you know, like we don't know they're sick. Like, yeah, put a lot in perspective for sure. Yeah. So uh, just really quickly, I, I thought that the pandemic was a really great time to date because there was this mentality, especially with men that we hadn't had in a very long time. I think mm-hmm. we're, slowly kind of going back to normal. And so what I'm also seeing is that men are trying to, you know, quicken that courtship phase again, and also are very thirsty for sex. So if there are any, if there's anything that I would like to say or convey, it's that please keep with that, that slower pace when it comes to courtship. I think that's going to be really important. And then secondly, one thing that I think is really important that a lot of people are not, a lot of women specifically are not necessarily thinking about is, you know, when things truly open up, this meeting people in real life dating situation is going to look different, right? How so? How do, how do you uh, think it will? Explain. So um, okay. what that means is that, one, we're living in a post-Me Too era. So yeah. it means that guys are not going to be coming up to women as much as they used to because they don't want to be considered a creeper or a harasser, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, And secondly, we're coming out of this pandemic, which means that different people have different comfortability levels when it comes to just general space and have people around you. So what it means is that women are going to have to be taking a little bit more initiative when it comes to actually meeting people in real life, right? Mm -hmm. That for the the guys that they are interested in, they're going to have to either give (laughs) very clear green lights or even approach men and start up a conversation, right? I think sometimes people think that if I, when I tell some of my clients this and they're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, right? Women approach men differently than men approach women, right? You don't have to be an aggressor. Yeah, I was going to say, because we've done shows about power goals being too masculine and then that's a turn off to guys. So what would you advise then to the power girl or any woman, whether you're a power girl or just a fabulous woman, right? it's not necessarily about like trying to get someone's number. It's really just about starting <laughs> the conversation. Yeah. Right? Like, I like it, your shoes. Yeah. A compliment. I like is your, good, yeah. Like yeah. That. But you know, it's going to be different because everyone has a different personality. Right. Yeah. So I'm all about the fashion. <laughs> I notice every little thing on every single person. Yeah, no, but I hear you. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. That's very good advice. So be more open-minded about kind of spark starting up a convo, you know, with, and not feel as though you're looking desperate, I guess. Well, here's the thing. Some, it, it depends on your approach, right? Uh, there are mm-hmm. going to be some men that are not going to like that, but it's going to be based on the approach. The research says, because I look at love in terms both qualitatively and quantitatively, that men actually really appreciate when women approach them. It's just in they the do? way 
through it, right? Okay. Yeah, well, because, you know, men are actually very sensitive creatures because they are getting rejected a lot. And I think a lot of women don't understand that. And so there's any way that. that. Yeah, that's probably very true. (laughs) They hear no a lot probably. Yeah, yeah. Any way that you can minimize this probability of rejection, which is a natural human primal fear, it's going to be super helpful. Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. All right, let's segue over to, did we, since you're much more mindful than me, can, did we hit all of my pre-questions, my preliminary questions? Yeah. I feel like I missed, and we missed, okay, good. Okay. So I just had a tendency to soak myself up in whatever we're talking about and like jump around. That's just like my ADHD no brain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, and my, my career in public relations has turned me into an ADHD fiend. I self-diagnosed that. I'm not officially one, but I think I, I truly am. Okay. So this show is called Baby Love. And by that, um, I was obviously finding something catchy as I always try to, but um, the fact that like our our lessons are the way we love the the what we the kind of partner we show up to be really stems from our childhood and our upbringing and what we learned from watching our parents whether they were you know we were in a single parent household and maybe they were dating or the way they treated us certainly also how they they if you were in a, and you know, double the partners, you know, parents were together or like what have you, whatever, you, whoever you were looking up to and raising you, um, how they treated each other. So I wanted to go through some of the, the obstacles and also issues that could possibly come about from what we've learned, you know, as, as children and into present time. And maybe you can weigh in on without obviously naming client names, like maybe some, some anecdotes pop into your head, um, in terms of what, you were working on with a particular case or something of that nature. So obviously our parents are the first, you know, um, form of love that we see. Um, so whether they were very affectionate with one another or they were very cold, well, essentially research shows translate to how we treat our partners when we're dating or when we get married or whatever, to give you a little bit of background with me. Um, I am divorced, right? So I, my mom and dad are still married. They'll actually turning they're they're going to have their 50th uh, wedding anniversary in August of this year. So it's like, they're very, very like much in love still and in their mid seventies. And that was an amazing relationship for me to witness growing up. They were very affectionate with one another and um, always showed my sister and I like that we were loved and respected and, you know, with warmth and endearment and encouragement. So I wanted to emulate or show and, and have my children like look, up to that same kind of form of love. Um, and I was married to an amazing man, but we just had a different threshold of love and we were raised in different families in that way. And without getting into that, all of that, I decided for a variety of reasons, but that was that really like the main reason, truthfully, that I didn't want my kids to kind of look at that form of love that I was sharing with him, which was a little colder, um, just because we didn't match our love thresholds. Um, and I left because I didn't want them to think that was quote, in my eyes, normal. It was, I didn't think that was normal. So can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of, of how that first foundation of what you witness as a kid really plays out later on in life? Yeah, definitely. I think that it's everything. So mm-hmm. I want to kind of categorize this a little bit because I actually think that this is a really important distinction, right? Yes, okay. 
the relationship between your mother and your father or your parents is the model that you're looking at. But what's more important is actually your individual relationship with your mother and then also with your father or your parents, right? Because your first primary relationship with a woman and it's your first primary relationship with a man. Um, You know, one of the things that I've learned in doing this work for over a decade now is that um, a lot of people talk about daddy issues, but mommy issues are actually very, very important. And Okay, can we get into some of that? I actually think I have a few. Go ahead. Like I was saying, I think it's I think it's important for us to actually highlight that um, you know the way that we connect or disconnect with our mothers plays a, even a more important role in the way that we engage in love. And so, for example, what I hear a lot is um, my mom was very like overly critical of me, mm-hmm. right? And what does that mean, right? Um, mm-hmm. Generally, what that means is that you're probably going to be a people pleaser, right? That you are going to always, one, you're not going to think that you're good enough. And because of that, you are going to actually be always looking for validation or approval from other people. I mean, it's kind of the same for your father, but um, there's something very special about the bond between a mother and a child where Mm -hmm. you those things more at heart because generally those relationships are closer or have more exposure to one another. Right. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. So like, you know, um, consciously and even subconsciously that relationship Mm -hmm. weighs a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, also for women, right. If you are, have some not, so not a great relationship with your mother, it's not surprising that you may have a lot of guy friends, right? Because this is, there's a specific level of trust that you may not have with women in general. What that also means is that you may not feel comfortable being like deeply in your feminine energy, right? Like mm-hmm. able to lead with your feelings because it may, you may feel like some of those um, feelings were not met with safety, security, and understanding and consideration, right? Mm-hmm. So what that means and what we see a lot of is women who have a lot of walls up, even before they've gotten into relationships, right? Or, or had any sort of experience that they naturally have a lot a lot of walls up because they don't feel emotionally safe. And generally we find emotional safety within our mothers. So mm-hmm. if that's not the case, then yeah, you probably will have a lot of walls. And okay. that would it I just want to ask you one quick question. I can't even interrupt you, but I just want to like intervene and I'll forget. What if you I get the whole critical thing? I will actually have some of my girlfriends that have had that upbringing. Um, they've had moms that were somewhat critical of them um, on a regular basis. I actually have a friend who has a friend who um, is that way to her daughter now. And the daughter is like dealing with like an eating disorder and like a lot of other anxiety issues because of the way the mom is like always like on her honor, honor, honor and stuff like that. But what if your mom kind of neglected you, would you also have those walls and stuff? I mean, not in the sense they were neglected and like, like left, left alone, but just not no, giving you like real love. Neglected is the word, right? Yeah. Neglected. Okay. Ne- neglecting can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be intellectual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so most people are emotionally neglected from their parents because parents aren't perfect and they don't really know what they're doing. Right. Um, right. 
So especially when we're thinking about previous generations, right? Yeah, there wasn't the research and yeah. Losing us, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's, and that's what I was talking about when you feel like your emotional needs are not being met, right? That's mm-hmm. emotional neglect. If I come to you as my mother and I say, you know, I'm really hurting about this and you tell me to toughen up, right? Yeah, yeah. This is how I'm feeling. I'm never going to feel safe with anyone else mm-hmm. to speak about how I'm feeling because my primary relationship can't even hold space for me, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's important to, it's important to, really think about that in terms of your own relationship with your mother and how that kind of affects your general relationships. Because what I know is that, you know, most of us actually enter into our adult romantic relationships as the little girls or the little boys that we We do. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So if there are things that I always tell this to my clients all the time, and I think it's going to be really valuable and useful for your listeners, right? Like if Thinking about, let's say, those top three or four things that you did not get and that you still yearn for from your parents, those are the things that you need in your adult romantic relationships, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the, it's not the he has to be funny, right? Yes, mm-hmm. no, it's it's more about do I have attention? Can I get attention? Am I being mm-hmm. prayed? my talents, right? Mm-hmm. Are my boundaries being respected, right? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, taught life skills, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. parents don't teach those things. Um, right. Am I, you know, is there a predictability, a reliability, a consistency? So for example, for me, my father abandoned my family when I was in third grade. So reliability oh, wow that I was looking for very intensely um, when I when I was dating. And so when I did meet my partner and my partner would text me immediately after I texted, answer all of my phone calls and all of that, I was like, this felt safe and like secure and home for me, right? So uh-huh. I encourage all of the listeners and even you to think about those three to four things that you still desire from your parents or needed when you were a kid that you did not receive, because ultimately that's what you need in a relationship, not what you want. And we have to prioritize what we need over what we want because the wants can come and go, right? Right. Um, Or, you know, or based on opinion, but the needs are actually going to make you feel at home and safe and will help you in terms of having a long-term relationship. Okay. Let me just ask you this then. Some some of the research that I've done, it also says that basically people are looking, if they were in an unhealthy circumstance with their their family members, right? They are looking to, I don't want to say mimic, but they're looking for a similar playing field, so to speak, because that's what they're used to, not necessarily what they need or what they should have. So can we talk a little bit about that? How you can differentiate between like a healthy need versus an unhealthy need and how you can I know you're not a therapist, but you're obviously an expert in this industry, how you can sort of like navigate the two and also kind of mend your ways, so to speak. Obviously, seeing a therapist would be ideal, but like if you were to do it on your own and how to kind of be mindful of when you're making an unhealthy decision. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. This is so important. And this is the work that I do with my clients. This Mm -hmm. is the work. I actually just 
working with a client in New York uh, who has been in a relationship for the past four months. And we were just talking about kind of these inner childhood wounds and how uh. it's so important to actually unlearn some of the unhealthy patterns. You do have to work with someone because you will have blind spots to mm-hmm. your point, right? You, a lot of times when we say, oh, we're attracting the same guy or we're attracting the same person, we're doing that because we're equating certain behaviors and, you know, communication styles as love, right? Mm-hmm. If I grew up in a household where the way that we communicate is yelling and then I'm working, I'm dating someone who yells at me, that's going to feel normal and comfortable and even weirdly safe, right? right. So you'll right. need a different perspective to let you know, actually, that's toxic behavior. That uh-huh. is not going to work. And uh-huh. it's and why it's not going to work and why they, why you feel the way you feel when that happens. Right. Like yelling and your dad was a raging alcoholic and yelled as well. It's going to feel weirdly familiar. Right. Uh Wait, some of those things with love because it is our model, right? It is Uh the way it's the blueprint for everything. So part of when they say doing the work, means also unlearning some of those things. And it's going to be different for every person. That's why it's important to be working with a therapist, a dating coach that that have an understanding of like what those things are so that you can be very clear and be able to check in with yourself and say, oh, this is just like how my dad used to do things. And I didn't like that. So I don't think I should like this as well, right? How do you notice that though? And how do you unlearn that? Like, I know this is probably a very many sessions with you, <laughs> but if you could like water it down a little bit into some basic three bullet points or four or whatever, five, whatever you can offer. And so people have like a jumping block start, if you will. Uh, just uh, stepping back. So I work six months with my clients because this isn't something that's going to just like flip of a switch and like after a oh, sure. of course, going to disappear. Right. So the way that I work with my clients is both like internal work and external work. It's really also about knowing what you like and what you don't like as a grown ass woman or a grown ass adult. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. and a lot of women actually don't know that. So you'll hear oftentimes women will say, uh, I don't know. Right. And mm-hmm. you think it's like actually like harmless, but it's because they don't give themselves the time to take a beat and really think about what they want and what they don't want and what they need. Right. So it's mm-hmm. even about just taking a step back and checking yourself when you say things like, I don't know, and just giving yourself an extra minute to just think about it. Think about mm-hmm. what feels good, what feels right. Ultimately, women have this amazing intuition that should they should be trusting to lead them, and they don't. There's often this like conflict between their head and their heart, right? Where yeah. they're able yeah. to kind of explain away a lot of different things. And part of the process that I work with my clients on is leaning more on this, what I call hut, this heart and gut intuition, because that will really lead you. So when I say intuition, I'm talking about Anything that makes your head kind of click to the, you know, to the side, like, hmm, that's weird. That's interesting. That doesn't, mm. feel, that doesn't feel great, right? Mm-hmm. That's your intuition telling you something that I you think should he's, I think he's telling a lie. Hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Why did he say that? That doesn't seem right. That seems off or different or anything like that. Those are the things that we need to be trusting, right? You, okay. you talk about bullet points. This is about getting into the practice of trusting your intuition. Secondly, Mm -hmm. 
Talk to your people that you trust about your love life. So many people don't because they're ashamed or what have you. You're going to need a variety of different perspectives to make sure that you are able to see your blind spots, right? Yeah. Have them, right? What I see a lot of uh, people, specifically women, when they get into a difficult situation is because they've either been isolated or isolate themselves and don't open things up to, Mm -hmm. to have that perspective. And so when they are in a not so great situation, it's hard for them to get out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I want to encourage people to do is look, you don't have to tell the, the inner workings of your relationship, but you do, people should know how things are going with you. Right. Right. Speaks to vulnerability a little bit, which so is you have support, right? You have like your support group and just whatever, like someone that, hey, he's like not, he's yeah. he's a creep or he's like abusing you. That's like verbal abuse or whatever it may be, right? right yeah. Right. yeah. So this is, and with experience, you'll trust your intuition a little bit more. And also having those people talk to you about those things will help you gain a different perspective where maybe you did a little head check, right? But like you ignored it and you kept on with your day, right? Right, right. It because they have that outsider perspective, which I think is really important, right? Mm-hmm. And then like I said before, working with someone to help you with this, like a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I would, I would recommend for people that are really interested in doing the work and unlearning some of the patterns and habits that love that you've defined as love or loving relationships that might not be loving relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can be thinking about the relationships that you have now, right? Family, friends, work, um, all of that to understand where where your boundaries are strong and healthy and where they're not either weak or, or super rigid, right. That will also yeah. give you understanding of if there are things in my life where I don't have a lot of boundaries, those are things that I want to be looking at in terms of why, right. And that will lead you into how you relate to other people, which will lead you to some of these familial or parental relationships. That's, that's really good advice. How about the way we argue? Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, in, you know, in, in, like in terms of, like obviously stems from the, the, the way we're up, you know, our upbringing and the, what we've witnessed growing up and things like that too. But how we like deal with conflict is also very, very important in addition to obviously the loving elements, correct? Definitely. It's, it's all connected, right? And so right. where being able to have very clear boundaries is really important because we all grew up very differently. I have some clients where they grew up in a household that they were yelling, right? And and, and yeah. connecting with people who beyond that are really well matched, but when they argue, they argue differently. So that's this how is- my parents were. They like, well, it's more my dad. Like he would didn't it took a lot, but when he yelled, he yelled. So now for me, I mean my kids would probably say <laughs> I'm off my rocker, but I, I avoid that at, at all costs is I just don't like the stress level of it. And I try to like, you know, keep the peace, work it out. I'm also in PR. So I guess that sort of comes with my, you know, my the career I'm in too and having that background. But yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to chime in with my own two cents of that, but continue yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this is all really important, right? Because yeah. it's, it's kind of like when you have an alcoholic parent, you have two roads. You either don't touch the stuff 
or you follow in the footsteps of your parents. There's kind of no middle ground. <laughs> right. No, it's true. Actually. Right? It's yeah. With how we communicate. Yeah. We either communicate in the same way as our parents did or kind of completely opposite, knowing. That's a good analogy. Yeah, it's them. true. Yeah. So, um, understand kind of what your foundational level of communicating is, right? Not just when you're arguing, that's the small part of it. You're not arguing for most of the time, actually. It's, it's like, what, 5% of the time, maybe 10% of the time. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> or you're going to a lawyer to get a divorce. But yeah. yeah, yeah. How you communicate in general, right, is something that is of the utmost importance. And being able to set very clear boundaries about how you want to be treated, how you want to have conversations and be talked to and, and all of that. But those are conversations that you should be having with the people that the relationships that you have, right? And if you're not having those conversations with people that are disrespecting you or your boundaries, then that is where some of the work needs to happen as well. Mm-hmm. That's smart. That's good advice. All right. So we're running out of time. So I want to give some people like some additional, like just like some tips that they can put into like their day to day, um, some ways to kind of cope and break free of some of their childhood issues. Obviously, first and foremost would be working with someone like yourself, right? You could name like maybe two more. I saw that maybe writing some things down and being mindful of what your mind is telling you and also the voice that you hear in your head and who that is. Is it your mom talking to you? when you say, oh, you're not good enough, or you're not this, or you're not that, you know, just to be observant. Can you add a few more to that? Yeah, definitely. So I think we've talked about quite a bit of those. Um, right. I think it's important to also, like you said, realize like, who's really talking in my head, right? Because it's, it's not you, right? We actually mimic uh, how our parents talk to us. And that becomes kind of our internal voice. And I thought, I think a lot of people don't understand that. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, uh, like I said before, checking in with friends, I think is really important. When you, mm-hmm. anytime you get triggered, it means that we have to go within, right? It mm-hmm. means that we have to understand why. Why am I feeling this way, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and be able to continue to ask yourself why until you have full answers. And sometimes that takes three different whys. Sometimes it takes five, right? So being able to ask yourself those questions in the moment. Uh, and then also have some conversations with your siblings and with your parents around exactly uh what happened in the past? Because the thing is that you might not have a really great understanding or recollection of everything that happened. Yeah. And so it's going to be really important for you to either feel like, you know, in my program, I have a variety of different worksheets to help to prompt you to remember those things. But sometimes my clients don't remember them because they're so painful or hurtful that they just, it's all black, right? And so sometimes you have to ask, people, right? Your siblings, your aunts, your uncles, your your parents around some of the things that happened. And one of the ways that I like to think about this is by ch- kind of cutting it up into seven-year increments. So zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, 21 to 28, and so on and so forth, right? Because mm-hmm. we're in different stages and Diff, uh, in these different intervals, right? And so your mm-hmm. needs are different in those intervals and understanding what you needed, what you got, what you didn't get in each of those kind of um, intervals is going to be really important for you to e- jumpstart this work, 
right? That's very good advice. That's interesting. I'm going to try that. I like that. Yeah, very good. Okay, so tell everybody how we can find you and if they want to enroll in your in your coaching and all of that, because I think you could probably help a lot of the Race for the Ring listeners, myself included, for sure. Yeah, no problem. So um, when you are not listening to this podcast, you can definitely check out my podcast out. It's called Get Your Guy Coaching Podcast. And um, you can also just go to my website, www.getyourguycoaching.com. If you want to have a free consultation with me where we will talk about what's working in your love life, what's not, and then figure out what's hindering it and how you can solve that. Definitely book a consultation call that's on my on my website. So yeah, check it out. I hope all you right, guys awesome. get value from it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll put all of that in the show notes so everybody can find the information right there. And I appreciate you. And thank you for all of your insight. Breaking baby love chains, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, of course. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Race for the Ring. If you liked today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast, just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death to a date. I'll catch you next week. And in the meantime, be sure to say hi and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My handles and contacts are in the show notes. It's been my pleasure to have you along for today's dating debate. Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Furco's Fine Jewelry. The family-owned business is best known for their handcrafted statement pieces, engagement rings, and fashion finds. Visit them on Instagram at Furco's Fine Jewelry and make them your go-to when shopping for a special gift for a loved one, friend, or for yourself. Race for your ring and use special code MINDY15 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Happy shopping! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.